Welcome to The Laneway, where we delve into all things health, fitness, lifestyle, and sustainable fat loss. But coming at you with an unbiased, educational, and hopefully entertaining approach. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. We have finally got back into our routine, and we are recording this on a Wednesday, which means that you get to listen to it on time for a change. Uh, through the questions, question number one was a super long question. I went back and forth with Christine on this, so I'm going to shorten it to I'm reversing, started at 1700, currently at 200. I want to do a mini cut. What are your thoughts? Question number two, how do you get to a point of intuitive eating after an eating disorder? Question number three, with macros, after I hit my protein goal, is there any advantage to prioritizing carbs or fats? Question number four, why do you schedule specific exercises for FLFM and TWA ladies? Why do I have a different program such exercises to another lady? And question number five, is it true that men can build muscle and lose fat faster than women? Are you ready to go live? Yeah. Well, too bad if I wasn't. You just push the go button. Yeah. Go, go gadget. Yep. Yep. You're all good. Are you ready to go? What are you doing? Why are you smiling at me like you've done something? I thought you were doing some innuendo. Oh, no. <laughs> That's you, not me. Oh. How are you going? Did you get the dragonfly out of your nostril? Yes. I was just going to say, how good does it feel to be doing this on a Wednesday again? I know. I know. It's felt so out of routine lately, obviously I, since we moved, eh? I think the most out of routine since ever i agree would totally agree it's um it's not a nice feeling being out of routine hey like it's like short-term pleasure it is exactly what it is it's short-term pleasure and you just push other stuff aside that's important and then before you know it boom everything's like a shambles yeah not the drink like life the shambles a drink yeah have you not had a shambles before it's Champagne and Red Bull. Don't do it to yourself. No way. <laughs> yeah. That sounds all right. Shambles. I did it. That was me on my hen's night. Very ill. <laughs> Violently ill. That doesn't sound like you. No. <laughs> Actually, how funny. Like, I just am. I'm a toucan Sam, I know. Yeah. Like, and here we are with the girls and they can drink. Well, last week when Lani and Erin were here, Erin reckons that she's a bit of a toucan, Sam, but, like, she's better than I am. She holds it together well. Yeah. she Yeah, she held herself together fine. And Lani can totally keep up with you. Right. It is – how good was it just having a drinking buddy? <laughs> I know. And because I'd be like – I often feel like getting drunk. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, it's a Tuesday or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and sometimes like, okay, so what is it? It's one fifty three on a Wednesday now, yeah. right? Look outside. It's beautiful. It's got to be 30 degrees. Yeah. Maybe one or two more, maybe yes. degrees. Yeah. And the pool looks inviting. There's crispy, cold Coronas in the fridge. And I'll be honest, I could do it. I could pop the top off a Corona. Yeah. Dive in the pool. Yeah. And Hopefully in, not with your corona still in hand. And enjoy a <laughs> beverage or two. Yeah. Now, sometimes you need the right environment, the right people. If I say that to you, you'll go, oh, mate, you go knock yourself out, but I'm just going to sit here on my laptop and work. <laughs> yeah. And it's just not the same in the pool on your own, Yeah. you know, naked with a corona. <laughs> yeah. And, but when Lani was here, it'd be like this and I'd be like, oh, I could probably have a beer. 
And she's like, yeah, I'll have some, you know, she wouldn't have a beer. She would have something else. But she's like, yeah, I'll have one. And I'm like, is she just saying that to be polite, you know, as a polite guest? Yeah. But I don't think she was. No. I think she was like, yeah, I could enjoy a drink right now. Yeah. And so we would enjoy one more, then no more. Yeah. And then one more, and then no more, and then one more. <laughs> Before you know it, you've had five. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting. I just, I just can't do it. I just can't hold my shit together. Yeah. I like two drinks and I'm like, okay, I'm Anybody. finished now. Yeah. Although I must say, although I don't mind a drink, I don't. Yeah. And I don't mind getting lit. However, something that I generally don't do, except if it's holidays, is drink every day. Yeah. It's and I didn't probably super realize it until the girls came to visit. Yeah. Because we would just drink every day. Yes. It after I reckon after about a week I was like I I did start to feel tired. Yeah. And not as motivated and I a bit more run down. I wasn't sleeping well. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my god, I just you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I felt like that and I was having my two drinks <laughs> and I felt like that after a week. And I said to Brad, like I didn't I didn't get a hangover. I didn't obviously because I didn't drink enough for that to happen. But I was like, I don't want to drink ever again. Like you just you feel like you said, you feel tired, run mm. down, so out of routine. And and I don't mean like one or two drinks. Mm. Like if we had one, which we would. We'd have six. Yeah. Six or seven. Yeah. You know, so you're getting a little bit litty lit. Yeah. And then you, you don't have a hangover the next day. Yeah. And you go to bed and sleep, feel like you're sleeping fine. But I just think day after day after day after day, it does get to be like, I was like, look, I could probably have a day or two off drinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was like, I'll probably do a week or three. Yes. Um. Yeah. I yeah, but here we are. Like it's Wednesday, and we're ready. We're ready. Like, would you have a drink now? Oh, uh, maybe. If yeah. I go and get them, no, I don't really feel like it. Look, I mean, I could definitely, I could have my arm twisted, but I don't because like, we don't have to do school pickup today. Yeah, I know, but we are going down the road a bit later. That's so. not till five thirty. <laughs> well. That's three hours away. Do you want a drink? No, do you? Ah, see, you don't want one. <laughs> no. Yeah, I could have one. I could, 100%. Um, no, but I think more to the point, right, is that we've had to force. So I think a lot of people will just be like, I feel tired, I feel run down, I'm so out of routine, and they don't force themselves to get back to routine. They wait for, like, routine to knock them on the shoulder and be like, hey, bro, like – um, are you okay? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, my laptop nearly fell off the <laughs> the desk. Like, hey, um, so like, are you gonna get your shit together again? Like, let's go. We're ready. It doesn't happen like that. You have to be like, no, this is what I'm doing because this is what needs to be done. You have to prime the pump. Yes, I like that. That's so in a mechanical in the mechanical world. Yeah. If like a truck, that's so weird. That thing's making that noise. I think it hits your monitor. Yeah. Yep, that's what it is. Hang on, I'll move it. If a truck runs out of fuel, yes, you have to – it's one thing to fill the tank back up, but you have to get it from the tank to the engine and it's not always automatic. You have to prime it. Some of them have like a pump, like a little actual manual, yes. pushy-pushy, like pumpy-pumpy yes. on the fuel pump. Yeah. And sometimes you have to manually prime the pump. Absolutely. And it's the same what we've been doing. So we have been manually priming the pump. And you just have to do it and it feels hard, right? 
it feels harder than when there's momentum and motivation. Exactly. It's like sometimes what you do today, like you say, I'm just trying to think of an example that most people could relate to. Okay, so let's say you don't feel like training today, right? And you're like, I'm so tired, I'm exhausted, I'm just going to have today off training. It doesn't matter in the moment. That affects so many different things. That can then maybe force you in two days' time not to do your training session. And that may not even affect you on that day, but that compounding effect in like, you know, three months, three years, whatever, if you continue down that trajectory, you are more likely to have a negative outcome than if you just actually push through that in the moment. And I know you can follow, like I do follow some reputable people and they're like, you've got to know when to um, sit down and relax and recognize that you're tired. I get that. But if you're not, most people aren't that, that person. There's a small percentage of people, that A-type personality that is on the go all the time, very obsessive over things. Um, I'm just trying to think like what other what other um, characteristics would you – you know the type of person I'm talking about. The people that just can't stop. They're like, I need to do more and they're so compliant, right? You've got a small group of people. They need to know when to chill the F out. Everyone else could probably do with it. You know what? Today it's hard. It's going to feel hard. You've got to push through that, Mm. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You have anything to add to that? (laughs) No, not really. Did I tell you I'm thinking about getting a PT again? No. Did I tell you this? No. I was talking to Cody about it yesterday. Oh. Because I thought I'd bump it past him. Mm. So I found a PT on the Gold Coast who is probably – I'd go as far as to say maybe the only person I'd ever see. Yeah, tech, technically, uh, like technically, he like he loves technical. <laughs> what the, what's the word? I'm so like? he's a technician. <laughs> Not that. Yes. Technique, technique. Oh my god! I'm like, why can't I say that word? Yeah. He's very technique. Yeah. Orientated, right? Yeah, yeah. He, I think he is a physical therapist or something, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Right? Yep. And then he's also, of course, a personal trainer. Yeah. And I followed him for a little while and I have thought about seeing him in the past and, you know, you always find a million excuses not to do something. Yeah. I'm too busy. I can't do this. I can't do that or whatever. Anyway, um, he had a Q&A on his stories and he is super busy. Like you always see him with, you know, uh, a lot of people coaching. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of thought, oh, I wonder if he's booked out or whatever. So on his q and I wrote a question. I said, "Are you? Um, do you have space for new clients? Mm. And he didn't answer it on his stories, but he just replied to me with like a generic, you know, here's, here's what it is, here's, yeah. what, I, here's what I offer, yeah. here's where I am, here's what I offer, here's what's involved, here's how much it is, you know, if you've got any questions, let me know. Yeah. Anyway, I – didn't reply because I had a million excuses yeah. not to. And it wasn't until he fo- he followed up oh. and he was like, hey, bro, what up? Yeah. And I was like, I spoke to Cody about it yesterday because I am still struggling with these couple of little niggles that I just, they're niggling me. Yeah. Yes. Which is my back. So I hurt my back deadlifting. How long ago was that now? Honestly, it was last year, wasn't it? Last year. And yeah. it's still not. 100%. Yeah. And same with my shoulder. What I thought was bursitis from the jet ski or whatever 
there's a chance it's not mm. because it's not getting better. Yeah. And so I think I might go and see him to help push through these two niggles I've got. Mm. But then also for some, you know how like the best coaches have coaches? Yeah. Like or even coaches have coaches. Yeah. I think there was some guilt early on because I do Technique Thursday. Yeah. I should know everything. Yeah. And I felt guilty. I shouldn't need to go and see someone about technique yeah. if I'm meant to be technique. Yeah. And so I think that played a role as well. Yeah. But I think the more I just sort of sat with it and I'll – because I'll tape, I'll video my deadlifts and we deadlifted when the girls were here last yeah. week. And during my deadlifts, it felt great. My back didn't hurt at all. I, I went up 10 kilos each lift I, went, I, w- I could comfortably have done heavier mm. and done more, mm. but I purposely went, I'll stop there. It felt great. I'll leave it. And then f- from about three hours later, my back started. To, I was like, oh, that's a bit, feels a bit funny. And progressively got to the point where I was walking like I had four legs. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, a- again. And yeah. I think that was like the, I'm like, there must be something that Cody and I just can't quite. And you know what it's like, like the chicks will send in videos to Technique Thursday and to me I'm like, oh, it's very obvious. Like someone will say, hey, Brad, I'm doing Romanian deadlifts, I feel this in my back and I watch them and I'm like, yeah, I can see exactly why you feel that in your back because you were using pretty much only your back to do this exercise. Mm. If you do it, if you make these small changes, you'll use your glutes and hamstrings instead. It'll take so much pressure off your back. And then they go, okay, they try it and they go, oh, my God. Now I feel it in my glutes and hamstrings. And while it's very obvious to me, it's not immediately to them, even though they've probably watched other technique people or whatever. Yeah. And so that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that I can go and see this guy and he can help your deadlift. Help me out. And then the other part to it is because I do my own programming, of course, what do I program? Everything that you like, you need it. I tell, I tell you this all the time. And so I think I'll let him write me a program as well. You think you'll let him? He probably will. He'll be like, bro, you need to do this X, Y, Z, all the stuff that you probably don't like. And it'll be the stuff I don't like. Yeah. And you know what? It's probably that stuff I don't like that's causing. Exactly. Some of the. Yeah, the lack of the things. That yeah. You, yeah. So the reason I wanted to say that is for a couple of reasons. One, I just, I like to share my vulnerabilities. Yes. Because I think it's important I think it could add value to other people to see there might be people listening to this podcast that are PTs themselves yeah. and they're like, oh, I'd love to join Ash's program, mm. but I'm a PT. I should know her stuff. Mm. So I think it's okay to say it's okay for coaches. There's PTs in your group. Mm. Yep. There is, one-on-one and TWA. There you go. And it's okay for me to – I still do biomechanic courses. I still – you know, so it's all part of – ongoing learning it's all part of it's okay to have yeah someone that helps you be a better you in whatever part of your life like having a um a therapist or whatever exactly i couldn't agree more and i think it's it doesn't make sense not to continue your education like yeah you you might feel okay to go oh, okay well i'm doing a course to better my education well there's no there's really technically no different. You're essentially doing a course, right? If you go to see a PT, it's essentially like a a PT that is quite advanced and he has more, like potentially more knowledge. It's no different to doing a course. Like it just doesn't make sense not to do it. When you told me originally and you're like, oh, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why not go? Like 
the best coaches have coaches and that's just how it works. Mm. Yeah. How was your weekend? I see you got up to something a little different last the weekend just gone. <laughs> and you joined me. Yeah. Um, so what did we do? On Saturday we went to um, a place called Mawollumbar, which is just one of freaking thousands of places that are currently flooded at the moment. Um, so we went there on, yeah, on Saturday morning we took Casey and we took my mum and basically we just wanted to volunteer, right, for the day and just help out people that were like literally screaming for help. Like it was actually really, really sad to see how many people were like, can people just help us? Um, so, yeah, so we went down there. It was crazy. We went to um, Bunnings to get some boots, like gumboots, right? And um, Bunnings were sold out of gumboots. And we were like, oh. so all over social media, it was like, you need to go to these places with gumboots and protective clothing because the mud is like sewer and you can get extremely sick from it. And I was like, far out. So we went to Bunnings, there's no gum boots, And we were like, look, we'll just have to go as is and we'll just have to be super careful. So that's what we and, did. And jerry cans. Oh, and jerry cans. And because Brad's got his car, he's got jerry can holders on the back. They really needed fuel. And Brad's like, we'll fill up some jerry cans with fuel and we'll just put them in the back. Like, it's fine. Um, well, they did, Bunnings didn't have any jerry cans either. So, And what did the chick... That met us in the gumboot aisle, say. Do you remember that just random chick? No. So we're in the we're in the gumboot aisle of Bunnings. We're scratching our heads. We're looking next to the gumboots where they've got like work boots and stuff. Yeah. And we're like, oh, maybe we just get work boots. What do we do? Well, some other chick walked down the aisle looking around and I go, oh, I was you're looking for gumboots. She's like, Yeah. I'm like, oh they I think they're all sold out. That's that's where they're meant to be. And this ray of sunshine chick just goes, oh, well, I guess that means that there's a lot of people that have already bought gumboots and fuel cans and they're out helping yeah, already. actually, yeah. I'm like, you positive mother. I'm like, that is so good. I'm like, you are uh, – that's exactly why they're sold out. Yeah. Like, we'll still help, but yeah, you know what I mean? There's heaps of legends out there doing the same thing, yeah. which is really cool. Um, so yeah, so we went down on, um, on Saturday, we drove down there and that was, it was really cool. So on Friday, like they were, that's when it kind of really unfolded and I had been off social media well, I haven't been off completely, but significantly reduced my social media while the girls were here. Like we were just, you know, in the moment, I didn't, was just not on my phone scrolling as much. And it wasn't until Friday morning that I actually got a really good chance to kind of look at it. And when Brad woke up, I'd probably spent a good hour just seeing all these cries for help. And I was like, holy shit, like these people are like in dire straits, like we need to do something. So we were actually all supposed to train on Friday morning, but poor Lani, the whole week we just dragged her around like shopping, grocery shopping, bunnings. Like I said to Lani, I said, let's go down to um, the shops again, the grocery store. And I was like, I'll get you to help me. We'll just fill as much as we'll just buy as much as we can that fits in my car. I said, we'll put down the, we'll fold down the seats and we'll just 
keep filling trolleys until it fits in my car. And she's like, hell yeah, let's go. So we did that and we're just like jamming stuff in the car. We did a couple of trolley loads. We come in, we're like, we can fit more. So then we went back to another shop and we got nappies and all that stuff. So we fit all that stuff in the car. Um, then I took Lani to the airport. Really nice way for her to spend her last day dragging her around the shops. And then that afternoon we took all of the stuff to there was this awesome drop-off point that were was organised by civilians. Like normal everyday people had organised in a place in Corumban a drop-off point where they were collecting all donated items and they were actually sending it to Lismore at that point. Um, so that was really, really cool. But then once we saw how much help they needed, we were like, we'll go down in person as well the day after, which is what we did. So we all piled in the car, drove there. Mwumba is not even that far. It was like 40 minutes drive, I reckon. Yeah. We had to do some tree track clearing <laughs> along the way. That was actually funny. Brad's like, oh, I see our first duty. There was trees over the road. So Brad's like, I know what I can do here. He pulled out the chainsaw and he chopped down the trees crossing the road and put them out of the way. Um, yeah, so that was that was part one. And then we arrived into Wollumbar and I think that's when the devastation really hit. You were like, it was not what I had imagined. Like I'd imagined it would be bad, but I was. you're looking around and it, it legitimately looked like a third world country that had been to war, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. Like it was so sad. Mm. And, you know, you've got everyday people, they're like in, they've, they've lost everything. Some houses, they lost half the house, like because a lot of the houses down there were like Queenslanders, so they're two story. So downstairs got completely flooded and the water actually came all the way up to the second floor so that upstairs was okay um but then you know one street over then the whole house got flooded and it was just like it honestly was devastating so we actually there was a volunteer center there that you can just rock up to you line up and then they just give you a job when you get to kind of the front counter and, and there it, was how many people lined up it would have had to have been i reckon what what would you say would it 50 people deep yeah by the I time reckon. we got there yeah which was Awesome to see, right? Just the people lining up, you know, ready it's, to... It's the only light, like, I hate lining up. If it was anything else, you would have been like, nah, let's go. Yep, if it was anything else. But it was. it's the first lineup I've been, like, so happy to be, like, be part of but see. Yes. I was sort of shocked a bit. I was like, look at all these people. I know. Like, look at all these people just here to help, just... For no other reason. No other reason than to help. Uh, like, yeah, I was shocked. I was like, wow, this is awesome. It's really cool. It was, it was, I think it was at that point that I'm like, I feel like over the last two years, I feel like there has been, I don't know if anyone else feels like this, but I do feel like there's been just a lot of hate and sides and finger pointing and, you know, all like just. It's been really one person turned against another for any number of reasons, yeah. whether it's the vaccination versus non-vaccination, whether it's currently, you know, uh, countries at war, whether it's like there's just been so much, um, you, you can't call someone a male or a, a female, you know, like, do you know what I mean? Actually. Like, there has been so much um, just normal person against normal person, like just not, I don't know if hate is the right word, but just so much like it's just been such a rigid uh, environment yeah. that it's just you, you you're scared to say the wrong thing or you you know like it's been 
so negative. Yes. That it, it, in what is probably actually the most negative environment there is at the moment. Yeah. It was amazing to see how positive everyone was. The love, right? There was was nothing but love, positive, well, not nothing but, but there was so much love, positivity. No one cared. I didn't see one, I know we don't really talk about vaccination status or anything, but I didn't see one person ask or no one was talking about vaccination status. No one was talking about anything. Yeah. No one was saying, oh, you have to call me a circle or, you know. Every single person was just like, what can I do? Where, how can I help you? How can I help? Where am I best yeah. helping? And I'll just do that. Yeah. It was that part, I reckon, was just, I think that was an eye opener. I don't know if you felt the same, but I was just like, I finally, I felt the love and I felt like everyone's just forgotten about everything. And this was true Australians. Yes. Coming together yeah. to do whatever it takes to help anyone else. Yeah. And I was just like, I have goosebumps just talking about it. Like it was, it was intense. It was insane. It mm. was, it was. It was raw. It was really, really raw. It was. There's people literally, you're talking literally. How's that old guy at the end that had to sleep in his rafters? Yeah. That so, was devastating. So he watched the water come up and up and up until it got to the point where it did start to come into his house. Yeah. And. It went one foot high in his house, then two feet high in his house, then three feet high in his house. And so he got to the point where he climbed up into his like ceiling, yeah. into his roof rafters and put his mattress up there. Yeah. And he's up there and he's watching it go to four feet, five feet, six feet. It gets all the way up to the point where he can dangle his hand down over the roof rafter and touch water. Yeah. And he goes, I'm going to die. Yeah. Because if... This water can only come up so much further. I'm trapped here. Yeah. So he calls police, which no one came. No well, one came. Look, they probably couldn't get to him or whatever, but yeah. nobody came. And he just literally sat there waiting, yeah. wondering if he was going to drown to death. Yeah. And that was like legitimately a couple of days before that happened, a couple of days before we were there. So mid, probably this time last week that yeah. was happening. And what was his attitude? Oh, it was incredible. He, he said – Oh, we'll get through this. He's like, you know, we'll we'll be fine. You know, like it, just everyone's attitude was, we'll get through this. Mm. Like they were so grateful to have people there mm. helping. You know, moving sludge, come turning up with water, turning up with bags of food. Like it was such an incredibly heart moving experience and just seeing these people talk to you and we were literally just walking into people's houses and they were just like oh my gosh there's a human here and they have a smile on their face and they're here to help Mm. like I didn't once feel like everyone's front doors were open because they were all obviously there no one was inside watching tv do you know what I mean like everyone's there just moving sludge out of houses and whatnot and um we got given the job to they called it like a needs assessment so basically they asked us to go around to they give you streets, go around to every house in the street and basically find out where these people were at, what they had lost, what they needed urgently, whether they had food, water and then report back to the volunteer centre so that they could then distribute like what they needed most or what they needed urgently. And there was like literally some people that 
were like, oh, no, I don't have any water or like, no, I don't have any food. Mm. Like there was one guy, he has three cats, there's no cat food. Like he's like, we don't have food or, and we don't have any cat food. Like just just mind-blowing. So mm. they gave us like water and sandwiches to give them immediately and then um, then they would distribute you know, like I don't have a, I don't have a mattress to sleep on. Like that was literally some of the things. Like, and you, like, you're like, how? Mm. Like, it doesn't. It's you can't compre- comprehend it, right? Mm. So that was, yeah, that was really, really, really sad. One of the gentlemen in the last street that we went to, he had no shoes on and he was like knee deep in sludge. He had no food, he had no water and he was on his own. He had no family. Like it was, that was super sad. But like Brad said, every single one of them, even that guy, he had a smile on his face. He was just so happy to see someone that was there to help. And they all were like that. None of them were, I don't think I came across anyone, hey, that was like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. It was just like, they were just getting in and they knew, it was like they knew that this had to happen in terms of not obviously the floods, but this is the next step. This is what we have to do and we're just going to do it. People, human beings just seem to have an amazing ability to rise to an occasion when it's really fucking needed. Yeah. When there is simply not space for excuses or reasons not to do things. Yeah. Human beings just seem to have this amazing intuitive ability to just rise to the occasion. When they were talking to us at the volunteer hub, part of the, you know, instructions that they were giving us was how to download the app for the survey and all that sort of stuff, but also how to approach people because you're talking to people that have, within the last 48 hours, a lot of these people have lost everything. Yeah. And so there was a little bit of coaching on how to approach these people because it could be quite a sensitive, uh, you know, thing. Yeah. Especially when you're literally saying, can you please give me a breakdown of what you've lost. Yeah. Like that could be quite an emotional thing to go through. And it was, I was like, when they were explaining that, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is going to be tough. There's going to be, there'll be tears today. Like this is, this is tough. I couldn't believe that actually every single person was so positive. Yeah. Like, like beyond. They nearly had to coach me. Uh, You know, I'm like, I wanted to cuddle them because I'm like, oh my God, I I cannot, you know, A hundred percent. That's exactly how I feel. I feel like we haven't really even had a debrief after it because that's exactly how I felt too. Yeah. Like they just, yeah. And they were so open to, for you. I don't know. Like I actually expected some people to be angry, sad, like I thought, I thought thought we'd see some anger. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just out of pure, you want a list of everything I've lost? Yeah. Like, can you? Is there a tab for everything? Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Tick everything. Photos. You know, memory. You know. Yeah. Not a single person, and also there was no greed. Yeah. Yes. Like, someone would go, yeah, yeah we've um, we li- like they don't have water. You yeah. can't turn the tap on and get water. We go, oh, do you want to drink? You know, like, we got some drink bottles to hand out, and they're like, I'll just take one. Yeah. I'm like one water bottle. 600 mils. There were 600 mils of water for how long? 24 hours? Yeah. Like have, you know. Yeah. It's okay to have more than one water bottle. Yeah. There's more water coming. Yeah. And they're like, oh, are you sure? Yeah. You know, I'll just take one sandwich. Yeah. You know. I totally agree. Like there was no greed. No. There was no, 
it was just yeah it was yeah it was mind-blowing hey yeah it was it was yeah pretty yep. moving and i think the biggest thing is it was just locals helping locals i don't know why there was no police or ses no now i don't know why i have no idea i don't know if someone did say and and this actually this did make sense. I don't know if it's true or it's not true, yeah. but it did actually make some sense to me because Mawulambar is New South Wales. They couldn't get up from New South from South. Oh. They couldn't make their way from South up to Mawulambar, yeah. and I'm not sure whether SES and police from Queensland are allowed to travel south. Oh, Look, that's I don't a know. Point. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. I don't know. I actually saw somebody bring up a good point because there are a lot of people out there blaming the SES and blaming, you know, like military members and or like ADF members, which I believe are actually different. ADF. Yeah. The Anna. Anna Dalvey Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is different. This is the Australian Defence Force. Um, yeah, so a lot of people are blaming those people, which that's not fair to blame a member of the ADF because they're under guidance of a hierarchy, right? Mm. Or the police, blaming police members. Well, they can't just go and say, hey, boss, I'm out today. I'm going to go. Like they need direction. It comes from the top. So um, somebody did share and in a really nice way the other day, say just be careful when you are, you know, saying that, you know, no – ADF turned up and no police turned up. Well, that's because they haven't been given direction from higher mm. authority to do so. But you are right. We did not see one one official member. Like it was all civilians and that was that was sad. I, I, I feel like, yes, you said they can't get there, but, you know. I don't know if they can or not. I yeah, don't I, don't I don't know. I don't know the reason. I don't, know. I don't want to get into that. But it's important also to mention that no one else said that. That was just something I noticed. Yeah. It's not like I saw a local and they were complaining. They no. Weren't. They weren't. No. No one said anything. No, it was, it was just, just no, it, was, yeah. it was an eyebrow raising. I'm like, where's, like, what, you know, I expected to get to the volunteer hub. Yeah. And see someone in a fluoro shirt or, you know, like with something or. Yeah. Like someone. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is Dennis. Like, I'm Instead like. Instead of Thomas, who was a legend. Yeah. Like they literally yeah. just had some guy. Yeah. Like me, just some guy. Yeah. And he. Did do a very like a f- incredibly crazy good job. Funny, it's a funny story. I didn't tell you this. I saw Thomas pop up on my feed because everyone is saying the same thing. Like he's like a little superstar in Mwamba. There you go. I don't, I don't know if he's local, but I don't know who he is. He's he w- had a smile on his face, and he was so helpful. And he'd be like, "Oh, just excuse me, I'm just thinking about this bit on the fly," and then he'd like. One second later, we're like, all right, yep, okay. So, and he was just so calm, yeah. cool and collected. And there was some like very flustered women around, you know, like <laughs> he was a legend. He yeah. deserves a pat on the back. Yeah. And it was International Women's Day, speaking of flustered women. Yes, I wasn't yesterday. flustered yesterday, was I? For a change, you weren't. Do you want to get into these questions? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Do you want to ask the first one? Because this one came through... This one came through the hotline. This one came through the... <laughs> Did this come from the Brad? Through the express, the express lane. The express lane. The eight items or less express lane. Um, question number one. Fire out our t-shirt went for a while. Uh, I am reversing, starting at 1,700, currently at 2,000. I want to do a mini cut for three to four weeks. Oh, sugar. 
your screen just went black. I want to do a mini cut for three to four weeks, then a mini reverse for three to four weeks before going away for two months. What are your thoughts? The goal is to lose around one and a half kilos before the trip, but reverse back up so the calories are higher for two months in Europe, which honestly sounds amazing. I changed that question a lot. Did you? Yeah. Can you do that? I don't know. Can I? I don't know. Is that legal? It, it was, was it just did you cut it down? Well, I adjusted it because the chick that sent it, <coughs> excuse me, sent it through was Christine. And her original question, <coughs> oh, I'm very sorry. Her original question, I was like, oh, I need a bit more context because I don't want to answer it with, well, okay, there's five different answers and it depends on this, 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 if you're falling this category. So I just wrote back, I said, hey, what calories did you start on? What calories did you reverse to? What are you hoping to get out of your mini cut? Yeah. Why do you want to reverse? How long are you away? All that sort of stuff. So I, I've technically changed the question, but I think I've got it close enough to effectively what she wanted to okay. know. Okay. Okay. And so it helps her, but then other people as well. Okay. So she's been, she's not in any of our groups. She came through the five day challenge. Yeah. And she has been reverse dieting on her own. Mm-hmm. She's got a Europe trip coming up for two months, which I did invite us on. So hopefully she's got room for us as well. Um, but what she wants to do is just drop about 1.5 kilos before and then reverse back up. Yeah. That's what she wants to do. Okay. Now, it's an interesting one because I think there's a couple ways. There's more than one way to look at this. I think that let's look at it from um, a goals perspective. Yeah. Let's look at it from uh, realistically whether she'll get what she wants out of this mini cut. Yeah. And then let's look at it from a human behavior point as well. And I think those two points are equally as important as each other. First and foremost, let's look at it technically, physiologically, whatever. She wants to cut 500 calories in being a 500 calorie deficit for three weeks and lose 1.5 kilos. Yeah. Here's the challenge. What happens if you drop down your 500 calories and you don't lose any weight? Mm. That can happen Mm -hmm. and I would say it's semi-common because of a thing called a maintenance range. For a lot of – for the majority of people, you don't necessarily just have a maintenance number. You have a maintenance range and it's believed to be around a 500-calorie maintenance range up or down from where you are. So you might think you're on 2,000 calories as a maintenance number and so you might think if I drop to 1,500, that's a 500-calorie deficit, I'll lose 500 grams a week, yada, yada, yada. What can happen is you could have a maintenance range that means you're still actually, if you drop down to 1,500, you potentially could either be still at maintenance or only just outside of your maintenance range. So there's a very high chance you might not lose that 1.5 kilos. So... What do you do then? What happens to your mindset if you've been progressing well, you've been doing this on your own, which admittedly is hard enough doing it on your own because doubt seeps in and you worry, is this meant to happen? Is that meant to happen? What happens if you start it, you do your 1.5, you, don't, you do your three weeks and you don't lose any weight? Mm. Then what happens? You either drop more, you either come from then a place of, what's the word, not frustration? Um, desperation. Like desperation. Not maybe not super desperate, but you're like, oh my god, it's well, that's what's too- referred to. It's yeah. referred to as desperation. Yeah. Yes, coming from a place of desperation, no, it's very very rare to make a good strategic decision from a place of desperation. 
okay, I'm going to have to cut more. I'm going to cut down to 1,200. I'm going to go back to doing cardio. Um, I tried this thing. It didn't work. You know, then I'm going to go to Europe and, and, and gain all this weight back again. That is a very real possibility. In a perfect world, yes, it would be lovely to cut for three weeks, <laughs> lose one and a half kilos, then reverse back up, not gain that one and a half kilos and have plenty of calories for Europe. If you could guarantee that that was going to happen, I'd say go for it. Yeah. But I think there's so many variables along the way that mean that I would say there's probably less chance of it happening than it happening. Yeah. And for that reason, I personally wouldn't take the risk of losing momentum, chopping, changing straight. You know, it's like if you – it's like um, taking taking your popcorn out of one microwave to put it in another and take it out of that microwave and put it in the next one. Constantly changing mm. is going to delay progress a lot more than just picking a strategy and sticking with it. Yes, I like that. So that's one concern. The next concern I've got, which this is the, the deeper one, is – the type of person that's capable of completing a full reverse diet, a full fat loss phase and hitting their goal is the type of person that has to, not has to, generally speaking, will be the kind of person that can have delayed gratification. Mm. Sometimes these short-term goals can be the thing that stop us from ever hitting our long-term goals. Now, for some people, let's not get too deep, but for some people... Uh, short-term pleasure, like even just watching Home and Away at night instead of doing what you're supposed you know, going to the gym mm. or, or whatever it is or what, what would help you, whatever your goals are in life, whether it's in health, fitness or in other areas, business, whatever, there's little things you could be doing every day. Short-term pleasure often will see us doing those things, Home and Away, Maths, whatever it is. What's those sh- other shows you watch, babe? I, I don't <laughs> so what a, Anna Dalvey. <laughs> Anna Dalvey. <laughs> All of those things can often prevent us from ever getting to our goal. And I know you might be thinking, Brad, that's a bit drastic, bro. Just take a chill. It's We're talking three weeks. But the point is you have to become the type of person that's capable of achieving that goal. And that, for most people, will mean changing small habits, changing the person that you are, being prepared to have delayed gratification. So there's always going to be a two-month Europe holiday around the corner. Probably not that, but there's always Christmas. There's always Easter, my dad's birthday. Oh, we've got a holiday to early. Oh, we've got friends that just decide to visit. There's always something. There's Mm. always some short-term pleasure looking to come and steal your gains. It's always there, and we live in a world where – like, remember you watch the old um, ads and they're like, you should buy a Kodak camera because Kodak's the best. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. Whereas now you look at it and they go, you've got 0.3 of a second on TikTok to get someone's attention or they're swiping. Yeah. Right? Like, we just live in a world that gratification, instant gratification is so abundant. You don't have to leave your – there's 90 options for Uber. There's, you know, like – you don't have to leave your house to eat or drink or work these days. Yeah. You can you can watch a hundred different channels on TV while you're still like remember when you just be able to watch a movie and watch a movie, whereas now I've got YouTube plus I'm watching Instagram. <laughs> How you know, do you do that? <laughs> plus I've got my feet on the computer. Like we're just so used, like we're just so We're distracted. We we're are just, distracted. We are so distracted. So the point is after that long story, if there was a way that I could guarantee you that you would hit that goal mm. of your little your little weight loss followed by 
your reverse, I'd say go for it. However, I think the risk is high that you might not drop out of a, out of your maintenance range, therefore you might not hit your goal and the negative momentum that can come with that, you're going to hit this Europe trip, maybe feeling sad and sorry for yourself and, oh, my God, I didn't lose the weight I wanted to lose. I'm just going to give up altogether and go bananas in Europe and just eat and drink what I want and worry about it when I get back. Yeah. That mindset, that little snowball that I just did there is like a normal snowball for normal people. Yeah. We need to get past that snowball. We need to push the snow in the other direction. And I think one of the ways we do that is by delaying gratification have a medium or long-term goal. You don't have to look at your long-term goal every day, but it gives us direction. Mm. Your long-term goal is heading north. Your short-term goal, which is this Europe trip of 1.5 kilos, is heading south. Mm. Pick a direction. Because if you ever – you don't have to look at that north goal every day, but you need it to be heading in that direction. Mm. That's what a long-term goal is for, is to make sure you're headed in that direction and then you can set up things to do every day to slowly, incrementally push you towards that. This goal will be in the opposite direction. There's always going to be something wanting to push you in the opposite direction. I think that you would get more value out of sticking with your long-term goal, continuing to reverse between now and Europe. You'll be in a much better, higher calorie position to through Europe, which will make it so much easier not to binge or fall off the wagon. You'll be able to fit things in. You'll still want to train and you'll get back from Europe and go, oh my God, Brad, not only have I finished my reverse or maintain, I'm, at, I'm right up on high on maintenance, I did it while I was travelling around Europe and now I'm ready for a fat loss phase before summer. To be honest, that's perfect. But also, one and a half kilos, you'll need a magnifying glass to see the difference in your physique. Yep. Like I am not a shredded human. However, I am a relatively lean human, like – would you agree? Rel- I'm a relative. You're about to go. Nah, you're not. Nah. Yeah, you're lean. Yeah. I'm a relatively lean human. Yeah. Now, if I lose one and a half kilos, not I may not may notice it. I might be like, oh, my uh, shorts are a little bit looser. But to every other human on the planet, they will not even notice the difference. So yes, everything that you said, but also. One and a half kilos for what? And I know some people say, because I obviously so I speak to people every day, they're like, oh my gosh, I gained one and a half kilos and now my clothes don't fit. I can guarantee you they were tight before and, it, you know, you just seeing that scale weight makes you feel bigger automatically. Like you won't notice the difference. Um, That's called your – Reticular activating system. That's exactly what it is called. Yeah. I forget every single time yeah. what that is called, but that's that's where you get they call it soda straw view. So it's like you if you were um, looking through instead of having like you know if you've got peripheral vision, you can. I'm looking at Brad right now, but I can also see the pool out to my right, and I can also see <laughs> I can also see my computer screen to my left. Well, imagine putting. Um, uh, like straws, our straw. eye to a straw and trying to just look at the pool and the computer screen. Like you can't see it, right? You can only, it's hyper-focused vision on one thing and one thing only. That's what happens. There's actually a physiological thing that happens to your eyes. So when you get in a state of like, oh my God, the scale went up and I'm now fat um, that's all you can see. And then that feeds that information to your brain and then that's all you think. And people are like, Ash, I'm fat. 
I'm like, I get it, but I also know that you can't actually see anything else other than I'm fat right now. So that's your reticular activating system. System. That's so true. I can gain or lose five kilos. I'm the same size clothes. Exactly. You know? Like actually. So, and I'm I'm a relatively lean individual as well. So the point is it will make, it will make more difference on me yeah. than it will on – if someone's got 40 kilos of body fat that they want to lose mm. and I've got two kilos of body fat I want to lose, yeah. you know, if I lose five, mm. that will be much more noticeable. And I'm the same size at five kilos more or five kilos less. Same size clothes. Like, yes, I'm the same size. And I don't know if I've spoken about this on the podcast, but I'm the same size and I'm 10 kilos heavier than I was 10 years ago. I've always been a size 10, always. Mm. Still am. Yeah. Although there's some clothes that I'll buy that's actually a little bit bigger. There are some, like I think the shorts that I'm wearing right now might even be a size 12 because I like roomy and I, I people mistake me. They're like, oh, no, you're a size 8. Like that's just what people say because I'm tall and thin, whatever. But, yeah, like buy clothes that fit. Don't just buy them for the size or, you know, anyway. Anyway, off track with that one. Uh, <laughs> all right, you ready for question number two? Uh, yeah. Have you seen any of these? No. Okay. This will be a good one for you. How do you get to a point of intuitive eating after an eating disorder? Well, <laughs> um, truth be told, if you have suffered with an eating disorder, I do actually get applications for people that are like, I've suffered with an eating disorder. The first thing you would do is go and speak to a psychologist. Like that's that's not what a coach is for. You don't go, you don't suffer with an eating disorder and then go and see a fat loss coach. Like your first port of call is to go and speak to a psychologist and make sure that you are working through that. Some, it depends on which, I guess, uh, what triggered you to have an eating disorder in the beginning. They'll obviously work through that. But I've had some psychologists actually have clients work with then a nutritionist or or a coach as well alongside of that and have them track food, right? And I've also had them advise against it and look to go down in an intuitive eating kind of path. And one of the main reasons is, well, one of the main most common that I see is they may say, um, you know, you might be fit for intuitive eating, perfect, mentally and physically fit for that. But also you may be a person that naturally tries to restrict your food and that calorie tracking your food is actually going to help you eat more. Um, so in terms of like intuitive eating, after having an eating disorder, first things first, I'd be, like I said, working with a psychologist. Um, and then a method that I personally like, and now your psychologist or whoever you're working with may suggest another way, but something that I personally like when you're starting to intuitive eat is to pause and think before you go and eat and ask questions like, like, lit- like you might feel like a psychopath doing it, but am I hungry right now? Like actually asking yourself that, am I hungry right now? What do I feel like my body needs in terms of nourishment? Like, do I feel like I need to eat more carbs right now? Do I feel, does my body, you know, will my body perform well and and feel better by eating, you know, a lean cut of protein right now? Like actually asking those questions. And sometimes it can actually be helpful to keep a diary of those things as well. So 
one that you know that you are getting um, nourishment because I guess what uh, what do you say? What gets measured gets improved. And oftentimes we're too busy or too hyper-focused on maybe aesthetics only that we're that we can't actually shift and, and change it to uh, being hyper-focused on nutrients or what our body needs in terms of fuel. So I really like that, keeping track of kind of that kind of thing. Um, and then I guess seeing how you feel, how your body responds and how your mental health is going and then move to like that might happen, you know, once once a week kind of thing that you really sit down and track that but um, and then move to doing it over a course of a week or longer. But it's really – stuff like eating disorders is such a touchy subject because there's so many different varying degrees and people are very different in that sense. Yeah, I think definitely a job for someone that specialises in that area, not just a therapist but ideally um, an eating disorder therapist. Yeah. Or, or like I don't know if they actually technically get their degree in eating disorder but you know how people will – yeah, so therapy. That reminds me, Jake, 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 Bruce you who? keep talking because there is actually a really fantastic person on Instagram for this. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Jake Bruce. I was like – Jake Bruce, though. No. Um, yeah, so I would find a specialist – in that therapy space that does specialize in that. And I think another important thing is is when it comes to therapists, there are varying degrees of therapists. There's therapists that came first, <laughs> came first in their class, but they love it. They live it, they breathe it, kind of like the Ashlane of Ashlane coach of therapists. But there's also others that are not ideal. And the reason I say that is because I've seen therapists and I've also spoken to my friends that have seen therapists as well and I've recommended my therapist to my friends and I've heard feedback from my friends, like uh, either friends or even just acquaintances. And you know what? Even people I follow on social media that struggle with depression the same as I do and I can tell the difference in what they're doing compared to what I'm doing. Mm. And I didn't realise, so my therapist, his name was Simon, and I didn't realise how good he was. I got lucky, right? Yeah. Imagine you start your health and fitness journey today. Like you've never done health and fitness and you just start with Ash Lane. Yeah. Like that's sort of lucky-ish in a sense because you're like, oh, cool. Just PTs are awesome. Online coaches are great. You know, she's this lady's got me all these great things. That's how I was at the start. I was like, everybody should have a therapist Mm. because therapists are the best. I can't believe this guy has been able to make this much change in my life with just words. Yes. And then I would talk to other people like my friends that saw a different therapist and and they would say, no, it didn't help. I don't don't want to go back and see that person again because it didn't help. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't believe that. Like what sort of stuff did you talk about? And they would tell me and I'm like, oh, my guy didn't do any of that. And I would give them examples of what my guy did. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, it is awesome. I thought that's what all therapists, I thought they all got taught the same. And look, maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't know. But what I do know is another awesome one was is Monique, yeah. of course, that came into the, that is in the current groups. Yeah. So if you were someone that has struggled with an eating disorder and you maybe you've had an experience with a therapist that you didn't really like, I would encourage anyone listening to this, 
not only just for eating disorders, but even if you want to see a therapist for any other reason, for anxiety, depression, whatever it may be, if you do speak with someone and, and it and they don't, you know, it's not a fit, you don't, you're like, Brad, I listened to your experience and your experience sounded sick and mine did not sound like that. I would encourage you to find someone else. I'll, I would say don't stop there, you know. Imagine that same person that starts their health and fitness journey today um, goes and finds um, Cheryl in the gym. Yeah. And it's Cheryl's first day as a PT. Yeah. And so what they do in gyms is if you sign up to a new gym, you often get a free PT session. Yeah, right. So imagine you sign up to the gym, you start your health and fitness journey, you meet with Cheryl. It's Cheryl's first day. She's got you doing trash exercises. She's got you doing finisher things. And she just, you have a terrible experience with Cheryl. That's what I would, I would say. Don't give up on never see a PT or give up on your health and fitness journey. There's other PTs out there. Yeah. There's, there's all sorts of, find a specialist in the area that you want. Yes, I. Have you got your... You tag? Were you going to tag someone? Oh, sorry. Yes, I was. Um, gonna, we will put this in the show notes. Uh, Jake Lenarden from Break Binge Eating. He is freaking fantastic. Um, he does everything to do with um, eating disorders. He actually has a course, which I didn't even know, Binge Eating Essentials for Health Professionals. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah. So he's really, really, really good at what he does. So question number, is it three? Yeah. Uh, With macros, after I hit my protein goal, is there any advantage to prioritizing carbs or fats? There there can be. I would say before I answer the question, I just want to do a bit of a pre-frame because I don't know why it is in human nature, but we like to overcomplicate things. (laughs) We do. And we just always seem to get in our own way. And so when you tell people, hit your protein and let the carbs and fats fall where they fall, Mm. a lot of people struggle with that at the start and they just feel like they need to have a carb and a fat goal and it just, this won't work and it can't be right. And it's, I think for a lot of people, it's not until they have success and they do start to see progress that they're like, oh my God. I don't have to have a Franken meal at the end of the day. Mm. Carbs and fats don't actually matter as much as I thought they did. So let's, I just want to quickly pre-frame with that because I am going to give some advice, but I don't want every single person that's listening to this, all, you know, six or seven million people that will be listening to this episode in the metaverse to immediately stop their car, hit the brakes open up their spreadsheet and go, oh, my God, or they're my fitness pal. I've been doing it wrong. I, you know, I've been ignoring carbs and fats. You've been doing it right. Even yeah. after what I say, you probably still should ignore carbs and fats. But I'm going to give a, a small bit of information for a small percentage of people, and it's probably not you. All right? Okay. All right. So first things first, if you're new at this kind of tracking, so tra- uh, just doing your protein and letting carbs and fats fall where they fall, wait till you've got – like really got the bull by the horns before you worry about anything else. So first things first, let's say for whatever reason you started this week, ignore this. You want to be at least four or six weeks in at a minimum to your journey before you even consider any of this information, all right? get Just get the protein sorted. If you're getting your daily protein and you're like, yeah, Brad, 
at the start it was tough. I didn't realize how low my protein was, but now I just focus on plants and protein at every meal and I'm living my best life. Awesome. Next step, step two, which is this is the important and the nuanced part to this. You look at it reactively, not proactively. Instead of proactively looking for a million different things you should be doing, reactively wait for a warning light on your car. So you don't drive your car. How often do you check the tyre pressure in your car? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I never. You wait till you've got a flat or you wait till the light comes up to say you've got a flat tyre or you wait till it's like... And you're like, oh, that's a problem. Yes. That's how I want you to approach this. If everything's travelling fine... Do not make any changes. Yeah. Totally ignore it. Yeah. Or if you're all the way at the end of your journey and you're at maintenance now, you're living your best life, you're like two years in and you're like, I'm kind of bored, I'm going to play around with carbs or fats. Do that then. Do it yeah. then. All right? What I want you to do is reactively look look at it and go, Brad, I find that on workout days I don't have as much energy. Or And, and when I say this, this should be in your biofeedback in – if you're in one of Ash's groups, you'll have a weekly wins tracker and that's where you track all this information. If you're not in one of her groups, just make up your own spreadsheet. I want you to track things like sleep, strength. Um, what else is in there? Mood. Mood. Digestion. Digestion. If you start to see a common thing and you're like low energy, low energy, low energy, and you start to see a pattern, mm. then for you reactively you might find – that fueling your workouts with a bit higher carbs mm. might, for you individually, be an advantage. Now, in saying that, there is a, I can't remember from the top of my head, we'll put it in the show notes, there's a minimum amount for females of fat that they need for healthy hormones. Mm. But outside of that, I think let's make this a reactive process, not a proactive process. Everyone just wants to, not everyone, it's superhuman nature to overcomplicate the shit out of things to the point where it's unmanageable and we fall off the the wagon. Instead, the point of this is to make it as simple as possible so that you'll stick to it. You can consistently do it forever. So if you've got an engine light on, if you've got a warning light on, if you're like, if there's something that you're seeing as a pattern, then let's look further into that. And then you may find that you'll get an advantage from slightly adjusting carbs or fats but for 99 percent of people just let them fall where they fall i personally don't like dropping below around 45 grams of fat like i've never enjoyed it um and for healthy hormones like you said it's advantageous but not only for women for men too so make sure your hubbies and your partners are getting um enough healthy fats in as well that like obviously helps with their testosterone production and libido libido (laughs) um so yeah so make sure that that is important don't neglect your fat so many people just start like something like this and they're like oh well i heard low fat is the way to go and then they just try and eat no fats like it's almost impossible but you know and I'm like no 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 your your hormones need them um but yeah absolutely I look there is different opinions varying opinions when it comes to fat loss having a priority over carbs and fats doesn't matter when it comes to fat loss however most people do eat quite similarly so you know, like most people naturally gravitate towards a certain amount of carbs and fats and your body does like 
somewhat your body does like uh, homeostasis, like it does like repetition. Do you know what I mean? Like it's always looking to find any even balance. So you'll find some people on some part of it that's like, well, to help your body easily find homeostasis, like eat quite similar carbs and fats. Most people naturally gravitate towards that anyway. But also there is also going to be days where you don't, like you go to a, um, a wedding, right? And you know, you might eat a whole heap of fried food and your carbs might all be out. You might enjoy, you know, like Brad, six or seven beers and all of a sudden, all of a sudden those ratios are all out. Well, behaviorally for then that person, if we sit here and go, look, let's try to find an even balance of carbs and fats. You go to the wedding on the weekend and have seven beers. Well, all of a sudden you're going to get this psychological feeling of I've done something wrong. And then you're most likely not going to then track from Sunday moving forward. Like it's, it's more important to look at it from the whole um, perspective rather than just like one side. Yep. So that's what I like. It's kind of similar to fiber. Yeah. So some people can shit every day without a problem. Yeah. But if you haven't shit for two weeks, yeah, it's probably worth looking at. For, I would start with where's your fiber? Just naturally, where is it? Yeah. I've been having three grams on on average a day. Yeah. All right. Cool. That is probably <laughs> the fat tire. Yeah. So your three grams. There's probably a high chance that three grams of fiber is not enough. And so yes, let's look to increase fiber throughout the day now what is it 10 grams per thousand calories on average something yeah 10, 10 to 15, 15 yeah 10 to 15 so it might be 25 30 ca- uh, 30 25 to 30 grams of protein for a lot of people yeah fiber 25 to 30 <laughs> grams of fiber don't worry we'll cut that out in post um for, we don't do that. for a lot of people but again don't get too don't get married to fiber you know yes don't marry your fiber no right? one do not marry fiber Otherwise, it'll end in shit. Because that was good. That, that was, was good. quick. Yeah. Way too later. So <laughs> because it, it, anytime we add more rules, and if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me say this a thousand times, and I'm going to say it a thousand more, more rules and more restrictions actually makes it tougher and there's more chance that you'll fall off the wagon. Yeah. Rules and restrictions are not what you want. So, yes, Cheryl, if you shit once a month, it, try and increase your fiber, and if that helps, then – you'll find that you naturally will make that a habit. You'll naturally, that'll fall into part of your day. What are you doing? What are you looking at me like that for? <laughs> I just had to sit back for a second. I was getting a little crammed up. And- you're trying to undress me with your eyes then. And I was like, what's going on here? But yeah, try not to get too caught up in it because Ash said you'll be at the wedding. There's no fiber there. You know, you're hunting around looking for fi- like. Yeah, is like, there any? Me, you guys got any vegetables back here? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and then you might get yourself caught up in like, oh my god, I'm not going to shit tomorrow. Like, don't. And it's the same. Don't stress too much about it. These are all additions at this stage. Don't harass the chef. Don't the harass vegetables. the chef for a cu- I'm out here looking for a cucumber. <laughs> They'll be like, we have got a freak. All right. You uh, ready for question number four? Is it my turn? Yes. Okay, question number four. Why do you uh, – so this obviously come from a current chick. Why do you schedule specific exercises slash sets slash supersets for your FLFM and TWA ladies? Why do I have a different program slash exercise to another lady? Good question. Heaps of different reasons, to be honest. So with train, oh Siri is chatting to you over there. I don't know how to tell it. 
It's all good, she says. I oh, know. Actually, you've got a he. Siri. I don't know how. I didn't even ask for him. I thought Siri was a lady. So anyway. did I. Anyway, um, you can be a circle if you want these days. Yes. Um, where am I? Uh, yeah, so there is heaps of different reasons. Obviously, with Train With Ash, it is a group training program. Um, but even still within Train With Ash, I try to incorporate as many as many alternatives because there are people that can't do certain exercises or don't have access to certain equipment. So it is important for me to be able to supply them with alternative exercises for that I guess, mainly. Um, a lot of the times in Train With Ash, the way that I do program is make, making sure that we have enough variety because there is so many different people. So there may be more variety in terms of exercises with Train With Ash to try and accommodate for a thousand people. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, when it comes to my one-on-one clients, what I'll do is at the start is look at their consultation form, look at that history with exercise. So what kind of history they have uh, in terms of lifting weights so that I can assess what exercises may be suitable for that person. Um, the other thing is that I look at is injury. Um, do they have any existing injuries that I need to work around? Like if someone has got um, I don't know, some kind of knee issue or has a fused ankle, I'm not going to go, you know, programming lunges, you know, like if you've got a fused ankle, you're not going to be able to do that. So there's that, but also um, if uh, your access to equipment. So there'll be some people that train at home and there'll be some people that train at the gym their access to equipment is going to be really different and therefore the program that I provide for them is going to be suitable to their environment, their injury um, and what kind of history they've got to training. But then the last part to it is what are your goals? Like I may have somebody that's like, I really want to grow my shoulders, like that's my main priority or I really want to be able to do a pull-up or I just have a pancake bum and I want to have a peachy bum. <laughs> it's like I want to I want to grow my glutes. Like those three different people will have a slightly different focus in their program. The programs are the programs that I write um, for most people. I'm going to say probably close to 95% of people are full body. Most people train three days a week. Most people that's what their goal is to be able to train three days a week. Um, so I take that and then I may manipulate it a little bit to suit all of the rest of their needs. And that's why some people may have a different exercise. They may even be in a different phase. So when I say history of exercise, it's not even history of like performing a particular a particular exercise, but let's say you were training recently. What were you doing recently? Because I'm probably not going to get you do or starting with me on something that you've been doing for the last four months continually as well. So that's, yeah. And is there, and there's, there is a, there's like different exercises falling in different categories. So there's some, Mm. there's a, some chick might just come in and be like, I don't really have a super goal uh, in terms of muscle growth. Yeah. I just want to gain muscle everywhere and lose 10 kilos of fat. And so for someone like that, correct if I'm wrong, you might go, okay, cool. Seeing as though you don't want specifically capped delts or peachy balm or whatever, you just want – you want – so what well, – I'll tell you what I would do. Yeah. And then tell me if this is what you're doing. If not, I can sell you my program and you can <laughs> – 
But what I would do is pick the most valuable exercises. Yeah. So in category one, you're going to have things like squats and squat variations, deadlifts, deadlift variations, yeah. chest press, shoulder press, all that sort of stuff. And even within the isolation movements, like there are better bicep variations mm. than others. Mm. So for that person, I would just go straight up, all right, if, if you just want the best muscle growth and you don't care where specifically, let's just pick literally – the best exercises or movements for muscle growth and start there. Yeah, absolutely. That's like, that's always what runs through my head. The other thing like is making sure that you're getting enough, you know, volume and stuff throughout the week as well for certain exercises. Like some people, um, it's funny, some people will say, oh, depends like so many different variables but some people might get uh two main workouts that they'll go they'll be workout one workout two and it will go workout one workout two workout one in one week and then the following week you go workout two workout one workout two the following week and that often is because I want to I want to actually have them repeat the those valuable movements in um, more than once in one week. But some people are like, I just want something, to, like I want another workout because I want something, I want a variety. And I'm like, we're balancing, it's a balancing act sometimes. Like variety doesn't equal better in a lot of cases. Like in the moment, this is that short-term pleasure thing. In mm. the moment, it might be a little bit more exciting in the gym, but just being a little bit more exciting in the gym might mean that our exercise selection is actually poorer and therefore you don't actually get the maximum benefit out of doing that mm. so um yeah i think that's also another important consideration too cool um it, do i ask you this question yeah why not i'm hungry uh you didn't have lunch oh i know you should have had a poke bowl with me i wasn't hungry brad's been really onto we've got this thing called poke bowl which i think it originated in byron bay according to their sign I think it's actually like a little bit of a franchise is is so you know that bowl i get mm. Is Pokey the name for that? Oh. Or is that their name? You know name? what? No. So it, that's called the Pokey Bowl. So I could go somewhere else and ask for a Pokey Bowl? Yeah. Uh, it's not everywhere has them, but yeah. Yeah, look, I think actually, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like someone will message us, but I get the feeling that maybe the Pokey Bowl, as in the meal, maybe originated in Hawaii. But that shop, Finn Pokey, originated in Byron Bay. So is Poke Bowl a thing? Yeah, it's like it's a thing. It's like that kind of food that you're eating, like just so, like all yumminess in a bowl, like heaps of different random stuff in a bowl. It's so good. Yeah, and you got pineapple in there today and I was like, oh, you're killing me. It looked awesome. It, it, and I've like they have designed it for me. Like I feel like that shop was made for me. Yeah. Because they got pictures. Yeah, <laughs> like, like a child. Like, you know, remember before, like, remember when they designed the iPhone? So before the iPhone, yeah, like settings menu said settings or yeah. like pictures said pictures. Yeah. Then they came out of the iPhone and you're like, the thing is like you already know how to use it and that's because they pretty much use like pictures for everything. Yeah. Like you open your phone and like <sighs> so true. your phone is a picture of the phone yeah. and you're like, oh, that must be how I phone people. Yeah. <laughs> Like it's the same. It makes so much like I sense. think that I reckon that's how they came up with hieroglyphics or whatever. Yeah. Some dude like me, like probably one of my ancestors, mm. was just like pointed at a rock and then drew a rock and that's rock. Yeah. You know? Like very, very smart way. Pokeball's the same. Yeah. Like you start on the left side of the page 
of their menu mm. and you literally, they punch it in and they're very fast at punching it in. Like they're very efficient. <laughs> I reckon there's pictures on there. I reckon they've got hieroglyphics, like a couple of hieroglyphics <laughs> on their side. They and go leaf. And that's it, bro. You it's start on the left and they're like, which one? And I'm like, leaf. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, I, I haven't got any leaf today. And I'm like, I'm going to have to leaf it out there. <laughs> but so I got noodles. I'm like, I went down. There's like five options. I'm like, I'm like, yes. Like I could pretty much be a caveman and just point like <laughs> and point at the sober noodles. And he's like, yeah, cool. And then I'm like chicken times two. And they don't even look up, bro. He's just like across it. He's like tap, tap. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> double tap and then the you chicken. Double tap, right? He swipes left. And then you got to pick five like veggies or what is it? Five more things. Five and, more fibers. And they've got a big list of fibers. And so I just go across. I go carrot, uh, cucumber, uh, uh, what's those corn, corn nuts? Corn nuts, they're so corn good. Corn nuts are so good. Avocado, actually, you had to pay extra for avocado. Use Brad Ten, you get it for free. And then I was like, pineapple. I was like, yeah, chuck some pineapple in there too. You pick your sauce. What is it? Show you sauce. <laughs> Show you. Show you whatever. And boom, deliciousness in a bowl. It's just, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a mouth pleasure sensation. That's, yeah, I was like trying to avoid that. Uh, health as well. There's your fiber. Boom. Uh, all right. Question number five. Is it true that men can build muscle and lose fat faster than women? I feel like this is a – you can't ask this the day after International Women's Day. Yeah. This is a bit harsh, isn't this it? This is a bit harsh. I don't know who asked this. Um, all right. So uh, let's start with building muscle and then losing fat because they're two different mechanisms. When it comes to building muscle, men m- – male hormones, males – Men and women have the same hormones. It's just we have different amounts. So one of the main muscle-building hormones, for example, is testosterone. Why are you squinting at me like that? Because my eyes, you know, sometimes uh, your eyes get a little shuddery feeling. It yeah, just, yeah, that was a wink, honey. Just, <laughs> can, we, can we finish the podcast and then we'll get to what you need to get to? Yes. So males have a lot more testosterone than women. Women do still have testosterone, but just in a a much smaller amount. Testosterone is one of the main muscle building hormones. So generally speaking, before the times of, you could be a circle if you want to, back when it was just men and women, Mm. men do genetically have more muscle on their physique than women. They just are born that way. Now, generally speaking, more muscle will mean a faster metabolism. Yes. So what that will mean is, and this is getting into the bit where you answer the question, question. so with muscle building, generally speaking, yes, men will be able to build muscle slightly faster than women. However, when it comes to fat loss, there was a lot of studies done early days when they used to poorly conduct studies or they would leave out a crucial element. Mm -hmm. And so what would happen is you would see TV shows or whatever, like The Biggest Loser or whatever, and men would win like 80% of the time versus the women. And a big part of the reason for that is they would, or, or, or even when they did studies and they would compare men and women on a fat loss study over 36 weeks, the male lost more weight than what the female did. It's because they will put them on the same calories, yeah, not the same calorie deficit. Yes. So they go, okay, you both get to eat 800 calories a day. For the male that's born with, more muscle and has a naturally faster metabolism, he might maintain on 2,500 calories. The female that he's competing against may have less muscle, would likely have less muscle mass 
and therefore her maintenance might be 1,800. Mm. So one person's in a 1,500-calorie deficit, one person's in a 500-calorie deficit. So a lot of studies would show like men lose fat faster and, you know, when you get into that nuanced stuff again, it'll make a lot of chicks just throw their hands up in the air. Mm. It's meant to be fucking International Women's Day. Now men get to lose fat faster. This is (laughs) bullshit, right? So a couple of things to look at. Number one, a 500-calorie deficit is a 500-calorie deficit. If you are in an equivalent 500-calorie deficit, then technically you're supposed to lose the same amount of body fat at the same rate. But there's so many... Uh, intricacies from person to person because even two females that are in a 500 calorie deficit won't lose weight at the same rate as each other, even like um, twins or whatever, because there's just so many variables, training history, dieting history. Then we get into genetics. And even if you've got a twin, their genetics are still slightly different, Behavior, let let alone your neighbor. Yeah. Yep. And then we've got the behavioral aspect and, and, and then something that's super important even if men do lose fat faster than women, even if men do grow muscle faster than women, even if even if any of these things, it is what it is. So I know it's a good question and it's given us something to talk about. So thanks for asking it. However, what I'd say is who cares? Whatever yeah. it is, whatever it will be will be if if you are a female, which I'm assuming the person that asked this question is, and that means that you're going to gain muscle slightly slower than your husband or a partner or a friend or whatever or a male, then that's just it is what it is. You can't control your journey. You can't compare what you're doing to what someone else is doing. You just do you do, you sister. I I agree. Like I think sometimes I think it's really helpful, like particularly if you are triggered by something rather than just going off on a tangent with it by just sitting and asking like, what's the alternative if you found out like if there was something magic and we worked out that men grew muscle quicker than women does that make like do you stop then do you like well that's not fair I just won't do it Mm. like no like it's you against you right like the whole time it's you against you so I think um arming yourself with knowledge is super duper important which obviously um Brad's done a fantastic job of doing just now um but yeah are you right yeah. Now you're winking at me. That wasn't a wink. Oh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, like, obviously, yes, a deficit, calorie deficit is a calorie deficit. It's the same for everyone regardless. 500 calories, you know, that's that's the minimum deficit that we always suggest for people. It seems to be enough to actually kick you into a deficit. Um, sometimes I always get asked the question, you know, shall I just drop 200 calories? No. Like that, you probably won't see anything. So, yeah. Yep, that's it. Is that it for today? That's it for today. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. Um, If you have enjoyed what you've heard today, can you share our podcast to one person? Even if you send it to someone that doesn't want to listen to it, that would be fantastic. Send it to a friend. Send it to someone you don't like. That would be fine too. Or you could share it on your stories. Yes. And maybe the person that you don't like will see it there. Exactly. And you know what? Um, if you haven't already yet given us a awesome five-star five review on Apple Podcasts, please do so. It is actually really cool reading through your reviews and it is cool to see how many reviews we actually do have. But yeah, if you haven't done so, we would be forever grateful. Can you, with the new way that you do a link on your stories, yeah. can you share our podcast via a link? 
Yeah, can do you copy. I, can you copy like? Can Cheryl? Oh, like as in Cheryl, yeah. or are you talking about me? Ah, uh, Cheryl. Yeah, absolutely. You, can Cheryl go to podcast and something copy link for show yeah, or something, and then yeah. maybe paste that in her stories? Yes, that'd be awesome. That would be epic. <laughs> then people could just literally click on the link in your click stories. Click the link, and then off they go. Yeah, everyone can put a link in their stories now. Cool. If you don't follow me, follow me already at Train with Brad. If you don't follow Ash, follow Ash already at <laughs> Ash underscore underscore Lane. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.